NZR Sports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sew her a new one. What a sentence, and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Hey gang, so I got a new book out. It's called The Upside of Fear, and it's exactly what you think it's about. It's about the good side of, well getting scared. In it, we talk not only about the science and biology behind fear, but the psychology as well. And it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some of the best in the sport. Omar Alhijalan, Jeff Provenzano, Maxine Tate, and so many more have contributed their sometimes terrifying stories to the book to help you overcome your fear. So head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com. You're going to find the link to the book there as well as the other books. It's available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook right now. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another special edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And before we even say who you are, cheers. Salute. We'll do this properly. Nice noise. Who the fuck are you guys? <laughs> and what do you do? Yes. Hello, Dean. Thank you for welcoming tonight. So, it's Airwax back in the game. So, Greg Rosier, Karin Jolie, and tonight we're here also with Yuan Kowi, the best photographer in the world. Disclaimer, it may not actually be true. 
I don't know. I've seen your work, man. It's pretty good. fucking good. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucking good. So look, it is not every day that I get world champions sitting in my studio. So it's pretty fucking cool having you, especially since you brought really nice wine with you. Thank you. Yeah, the the occasion was so cool. We brought actually a 2006 Pomerol. Very oh, nice. I'm, I'm, please, please. That's my favorite wine. Uh, I cannot wait. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot wait. Now, I want to get into it uh, relatively quickly because you guys have been busy as hell, especially considering the last time we talked, none of us had a fucking clue yes. what was coming next. So since we last spoke, you've been moving. Yes, yes. The the, the first thing uh, for us was the jumping over the pyramids again. So it was kind of a test for us. We were locked down again with everybody, of course, obviously in Europe. And we said, oh, there is no no way this, this thing can work. Right. How can we, we be allowed to jump in Egypt if, if it's not allowed to go just in Italy or Spain, you know? And uh, it happened. It was allowed. Uh, we were... Um, hello to go there so we say okay let's let's go back on our life as much as we can hmm. and we st we started to travel again and you i mean i've been keeping up with you quite a bit and you've hit some pretty i mean come on some pretty jealous worthy spots you guys have been to you jumped over the pyramids you're landing on gold sandy beaches you're flying over stellar fucking sand dunes fill me in because i haven't gone anywhere <laughs> so um just after the the pyramids we decided to open the book again and say oh let's see where where we could go karen decided uh, to take us for uh, new year's in brazil and we actually stayed there two months do you want to talk about that please yeah i actually i used to live in brazil for two years a long time ago 2005 to 2007 and i completely fell in love with the country and the people and the warmth of the country, obviously. Mm. So, well, since um, I hate cold and uh, my body <laughs> also, <laughs> I always try to get my butt in the sun during the winter in Europe. Nice. And um, I know like Brazil is a very sweet destination because it, first it's huge country. So you can do uh, a lot of things. If you go into the north, um, you can like kite surf, mm. which we did. It was really cool. Nice. Some really sweet spots. And then we went to have New Year's Eve in uh, close to Foz do Iguaçu. Okay. Iguazu Falls. And uh, over there, we had like the best welcoming. And uh, obviously, the, the country wasn't in lockdown. So we were able to jump nice. pretty much every day we wanted to. Um, and after that, we've been to another boogie called uh, Eternal. And we also managed to sneak some jumps in, even though they had sometimes like a um, red code uh, area where they, they need to like shut down for the weekend. Mm. The, the week they can still operate. So for skydivers and camp, it was okay. Wow. Yeah. And then we sneak into Rio as well, Rio de Janeiro, for um, some heli jumps. Uh, <laughs> Greg actually managed to get some uh, authorization so we could jump over Copacabana, which was amazing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes. Actually, um, it was something that I had in mind since we got to jump over the pyramids. I was like, oh, uh, how cool it will be if we can get to jump in other amazing mm. uh, exclusive places in the world. So obviously, when you think Brazil, you think Rio de Janeiro. I don't know what about you, but... Sure, of course. Rio de of Janeiro. Course. So like, oh, if we can get to jump over Copacabana, that would be the best fucking thing to do there. Yeah. So it was hard, even with all the connections we have over there. Uh, and actually a friend of us, a uh, very good friend of Luigi Cani, who is the most famous, obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brazilian skydivers over there, 
and he, he got us a permission thanks to the Ministry of Defense. It took us three weeks to get this permission. Unfortunately, uh, jumping beginning of February there was very tricky because we have to stop to jump at six, no, 5.35. 5.35, which is actually five minutes, exactly five minutes before the sun's uh, uh. The sunrise. So it was a little bit frustrating because every time we landed, we get finally... The good, the good light. But sure, you one's gonna tell us more about this thing. Yeah, so I mean that's pretty fucking tricky because I mean it, not that being a photographer in freefall isn't already tricky at times, but now you're fighting light and restrictions like that. That's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tricky. I must say. Uh, Wait, you're not French? No, no. <laughs> no? Uh, the the fuck was that accent? <laughs> <laughs> you might hear as uh, as I drink more wine that I sound more Scottish. Awesome. That's Sorry what I. That. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, so you, you were saying. Yeah, so um, it was uh, one of the trickier shots from the kind of basic photography point of view of, uh, you know, you, you have limited light, so, mm. you know, you have to to pump up the ISO a bit higher, put the shutter speed as low as you can, but still avoid the blurriness of... Uh, sure. Because free fall is a lot of vibration, so you need to have a minimum shutter speed so that you keep it sharp, things like that. And then, yeah, like Greg said, it was frustrating. We would land, and uh, basically five minutes after that, it would be beautiful sunrise, <laughs> you know. And right. Like, Man, come on. And also the frustrating thing was uh, the airport didn't open till 6 a.m. So they were just being super um, cautious, cautious, basically, yeah. and not allowing us to, to have and a little bit more freedom. And sure. And we were freezing out our eyes off. Like the helicopter was without door, so all the way up, even though it was pretty quick, was super cold Like mm. in this uh, in this time of the night. Yeah. It was really, really we cold. We had to, like, hug Karine, basically, <laughs> to keep her warm. <laughs> and unfortunately... Did you uh, have a hug, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But also the the camera lenses got very cold, which meant as we got lower and the humidity was very high, sure. basically the lenses would fog up every sure. time. So, yeah, that was a very tricky uh, situation, but we made it work. I mean, it had to be. Although I can't imagine, uh, like, when I had to, d years and years ago, when I had to deal with shit like uh, things getting fuzzy in free fall, we were wearing huge, baggy, enormous suits that flop all over the place. And fuck you guys, you're good enough flyers that you're wearing skin-tight suits that don't move anywhere. So that made it easier. So it points off for the pictures for us. <laughs> but actually, they were shorty suits. That's one of the reasons Karim was so cold. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you are in Brazil. You can't jump in. I mean, of course you're going to be in choice. Yeah, that's the thing. Nobody's going to believe us anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we had to pretend it was really comfy and really warm. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, but that's the uh, the illusion, right? Part of it is creating an illusion. You yeah. want to be able to put this amazing photo up, and it's supposed to be as cool as that image was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and no, try and Photoshop out the tiredness uh, uh, of getting yeah. up at oh, 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we looked really, really tired. But uh, yeah, again, it was just the best experience ever, and it was another proof for us that we can do it. We can actually, it requires extra work, extra authorization and stuff, but we can actually help promoting our sport, doing sure. this kind of thing. So sure. it was a very big success in this way, for sure. This actually segues me into a question that we talked about before the podcast, which is uh, teams and skydivers having to self-promote. Um, and it's not just for sponsorship, but it's also because skydiving now has become pretty mainstream you know i mean you see it in a lot of places that you never would not you wouldn't have ever seen it before and it started way back in the day with one of my recent guests troy hartman who did a, a super bowl commercial flying with geese you know i mean it was stuff like that that kind of began but now it's all about self-promotion um and you guys are really good at maintaining a big social media presence um and of course with the photographs and the video that you're shooting and the performances that you guys are putting on you've got a lot to work with but once you're on the 
the ground is still a fuckload of work, you know? I mean, so how do you go about it? Because I personally, I fucking hate it. It's <laughs> so hard. That, that That's not the, the easiest uh, part of the skydiving, but it's part of the skydiving. Um, as you become an athlete, you don't have to be world champion. To me, everybody is doing uh, international competition and and uh, anything that you want to 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 do to promote skydiving in general sure uh it's kind of your responsibility to to work on this way as well because if if we want the world to take us seriously we have to take us seriously as well sure so to me the the this time we're supposed to spend on facebook instagram and maybe now tiktok it's really important yeah it can be funny sometimes like yeah you do this thing it's uh yeah it's extra work you just to show yourself and stuff but it's not for for that reason it's for Uh, sharing the non-skydiving people what we do because sure. if we don't do this connection nobody else is going to do it for us yeah and for sure like the skydiving has still this really really bad um, uh, image I mean especially in France I don't know in other countries but when you say you're a skydiver you're still like a a reckless person uh, sure. trying to kill yourself every time you sure. come from an airplane and everything so it's also good to to use the media and try to show that our spot is way more than just uh, trying to die. And, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also, like, uh, the community around it is amazing. It's worth knowing uh, that you can travel and meet a lot of people all around the world. So, like, all those good sites that people usually don't see, we also try to bring it up with uh, cool pictures, um, videos, and, you know, like, trying to bring some connection all around the world. Sure. Well, I mean, I remember when... Uh, um When I first started skydiving, the reputation was the same in the States. If you said you were a skydiver, you were reckless and crazy. And it got me laid a lot, which was great because, oh, he's a badass. He goes and jumps out of airplanes. And all everybody thinks of when they think skydiving is they see the videos of all the really crazy stuff. And they assume that you're doing that. So I rode on the backs of giants flying down fucking mountains and doing stuff like you did just because I said I was a skydiver. But then as you get older, you're like, oh, wait a second. I don't want that reputation because I want to be able to finance the car and I want to be able to, you know, do normal stuff. So it's, yeah, it's nice that it's getting to a point where we're starting to portray skydivers as also responsible adults that are maybe just a little bit bent. <laughs> just a little bit. Well, you have to be. You need that. Right? I mean, what would skydivers be without being a little bit crazy? For sure. But... Um, I just had a very, very interesting conversation with the, the new manager of iFly Sao Paulo uh, because we stop there as well. Every time we go somewhere and there is a wind tunnel, we, of, of course, sure. jump in the tunnel. And um, it, it is the guy, is, this guy is not from skydiving world. As he noticed that um, every country that have the world paracaidismo, paracaidismo, parachutism, para whatever, uh, somewhere in the people's mind is like, It's to stop the free fall, stop the, the chute libre. Right. So it's kind of a scary thing. Maybe it's contribute in a way of being a scary thing and uh, for crazy people. And uh, he discovered that uh, in English world, skydiving, it's a way cooler mm. way of doing the same sport. So he changed the whole uh, decoration, the all the inside of the I Fly San Polo. Uh, for experiments in um, zero gravity, like uh, he, he put some spacemen everywhere, astronauts, mm. and he said, oh, come here to discover what it is to to be in the air, you know, with zero gravity field, sure. but not like free falling, like uh, falling from the plane. And uh, he doubled, um, with this publicity, he doubled the people who come in the tunnel. You start to change that stigma 
right? Because yeah. um, people are, well, that was one of the things that I always fought as a tandem instructor. People would be so nervous because they're terrified of the thought of falling because all they know is what it feels like to fall off a ladder or fall down something where you still feel that falling. And it's impossible to explain to someone that's never done it that, no, that is not right. what free fall is like. If you could take the falling out of it and just free something, you know, and it changes people's perspective. And you would always get the same look. People will go, oh, fuck you, bullshit. Of course you feel like you're falling. And then they land and go, holy shit, you were right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, but it's yeah, all in changing true. that perception. So if you can do it before the actual jump, then I think it would change a lot for sure. And the wind tunnels have done a lot for changing that perspective as well, right? I mean, they, they've changed people's minds in a lot of ways. Yeah, the okay. thing is, the best, uh, the best picture for me is watching a kid flying in a tunnel. Yeah. Everybody's forget because he's so cute. He's a small guy <laughs> waving everywhere. And it's like the proof there is no question anymore about any planes. It's, yeah. it's not about, oh, he jumped from a plane. No, no, it's just a kid flying with the fluid. Yeah. And it's beautiful. So, yeah. What I usually say to people before the skydive is like, imagine that you're going crazy fast on the highway, like way too fast to be to be caught by the police. And then, <laughs> like, I mean, you don't want to be caught by the police. And then you open your window and you put your you stick your arm outside. Imagine the resistance you need to put in your arm uh, to go against the wind. And I'm like, well, this is the cushion of air that you're going to feel everywhere of your body on yep. your body. So you're not going to feel like you're falling. You're going to be like taken by this air you know yeah so. i i used to to explain to people that you'd get uh, um a disorientation as you left the airplane it was kind of a what's up what's down yeah. and then you're going to feel like you're floating the entire time and you would always get the standard well but yeah but then the the camera guy he goes back up and or the tandem goes <laughs> how how far back up do you go and you're like all right well this is going to be a tough one and you try and explain everything that's going on so and you got to explain skydiving and the laws of physics yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well, you have no no idea how many times I've I've actually had to tell people you don't go back up when the parachute opens. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to tell me. Yeah. We all know about the situation. Absolutely. It is, but it's it's entertaining as well because it's almost cute. You're like, oh, look at you. And you have to fix it, you know. But then they go and experience it. And But, again, that, that boils back down to the, the social media and the portraying skydiving in a real light as opposed to the craziness that people assume it is. Um, and, unfortunately, there's still – Activities and skydiving and, and pl places that aren't representative of what we want. So it's guys like you that are pushing hard with uh, social media presence that help in a major way. Not to mention, it makes your fucking sponsors look good, right? Yes. I mean, well, they make us look good. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, let's go let's throw a quick shout out to NZ Aerosports because, I mean, fuck yeah. Right. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I actually, and again, pre-podcast, I was asking you guys, because I love the branding on your canopy. And there's a great shot of you. I think it was in Egypt. Uh, and you're kiting. Maybe it was in Egypt. Maybe it was the Maldives, which is another place I hate that you guys got to go to. And I didn't. <laughs> Could have also been Brazil or, or even yeah, Namibia. Fuck off. <laughs> yes, this one. Yeah, uh, that one. And then there's one where you're kiting it on the ground with everybody standing. And it's NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Which clearly fits my branding <laughs> really well. Um, it's uh, it's funny to see that you guys have got a, a sponsor that is so free with being able to do stuff like that. And clearly you guys are having a lot of fun with that. Yes. We, we just love, since the very beginning, uh, we love the spirits. I mean, of course we love the, all the canopies, the, the build that's obvious, but we, we also love uh, the, 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 
the family yeah. way of uh, proceeding they have. Uh, I don't know if you if you heard about this, but um, most of the time on Friday they, they start they, they try to finish earlier a little bit on Friday so they can just all have a beer all together in the manufacturing. Which is how amazing. cool is that? Like every whatever you're doing in the factory, you just takes five minutes to spend time together. And also, like t when we were in the um, in Australia for the the World Championship. Uh, they had like uh, uh, the coolest stand where <laughs> after the jumps you could go and have snacks and uh, have massage and uh, and talk around with a glass and um, it was really really cool and there was this other competition uh, somewhere where we could have a beer over there and <laughs> it was really really nice after really, the jumps of, of course af yeah after the jumps that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> well no I, I think it's uh, uh, a company like NZ Aerosports went from being the little guy to now kind of neck and neck, right? I mean, you think of two canopy manufacturers now. It's PD and it's exactly, NZ Aerosports. Yeah. Uh, but they started out as the little guy. And I think one of the reasons that they got there is incredible fucking designs uh, and that mentality and keeping it like a family. And clearly they have a blast doing what they're doing. Because I watch uh, Chris Stewart putting up the videos that he puts up and it's fucking hilarious. The guy's a goddamn actor running around that just happens to jump out of airplanes. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you listen to his lead in, which is straight out of train spotting, which is fucking fantastic. Again, I love it. So, yeah, if you don't if you don't know this thing, I'm going to tell you a short story. Very amazing. I make it short. Uh, Julian Pilman, the French guy, the designer uh, of the Petra and the Leia. We love you. We love you, Julian. <laughs> Uh, he, he was just there in New Zealand. He was already, of, of course, an aeronautic engineer. But he wanted to extend his uh, visa and stay a little bit more. And he, he knocked at the door and he met uh, Jiro. And he said, oh, can I work? Because I'm, I'm, I can work in everything in uh, aeronautic stuff. He said, yeah, of course. So he, you can see how open mind is the guy. Mm. So Jiro straight away said, yes, of course, come here and you're going to extend your visa. No, no worries. And uh, for a week, he was doing just the line set because yeah. it's the thing you can do. That doesn't mean you, you have to be an expert, of course. It's very precise, but that's the first thing you can do in a manufacturing. And uh, just on the next Friday, as I was telling you, we can have a beer all together. Jiro was like, oh, how was the week? And he, he started to talk about all these uh, ideas he has in mind about improving canopies with the... Um, all the shapes that exist now in um, in uh, the fast one that you can have when you do um, uh, from the from the cliff the um, oh, the speed flying speed flying thank you and um, and Giro was like very impressed about all the things was out of his mind uh, this young French guy and he said you know what next week forget about the line set just spend the whole week. Uh, putting your nose everywhere you want mm. in the manufacturing. Just check everything and we talk again next Friday. Mm. And the next Friday, he said he came with the list that everything he could improve from his point of view. And he said, okay, now I hire you and you're going to design your own thing. And this is how the GPX arrived and GP means, of course, yeah. Julian Pillman. Yeah. Whoa. I mean... Busted. <laughs> he, uh, he was such a chill, uh, humble guy when I talked to him for the podcast. Oh, yeah. And you would think, because, I mean, the Petra quite quickly became the monster canopy in the sky. I mean, it was the holy shit. Oh, oh my God, they're flying that. And you watch this thing come in and land. And he's so chill about the fact that he designed it. And he's like, yeah, I'm having a little trouble making the better one because 
we kind of got it right the first time. And, <laughs> but he's trying to be humble about it, and, and I'm a little excitable. So I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm scared to watch that thing land. It's too fast. And it was it was just super cool that he was that chill and humble about it. And he's not you know, trying to brag about the fact that he put this canopy out. He's sincerely trying to figure out how he can make it better, which is I – mean, yeah, he's a true legend, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, uh, that's even more beautiful when you think about it. Giro, beautiful human being. Get to fly it. And, yeah. and Julian Pilman, beautiful human being. Like two human who met together in New Zealand, and now we have uh, all this cool canopy thanks to him. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, that's one of the things that uh, um, has always been so fascinating about skydiving is that's this whole uh, idea of six degrees of separation um with skydiving it's one and a half degrees of separation if you know three people they know the whole rest of the sport and so very quickly on you start to hear about this person and that person and you know someone before you meet the years before you meet them you know all about them and it's it's great because you're just uh Dude, I know everything you've done. I might not recognize the face, but as soon as you start talking and you're already just friends like that, you know what's going on. That's skydiving in a nutshell. Is it's such a, a tight community. You, you know everything I've done? <laughs> Don't oh, no. tell your mom. I, I wasn't going to bring that up on the podcast. Does that involve a kilt? <laughs> Maybe. Kilt? Oh, yeah. Kilt. 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 Oh, yeah. One of the things we're going to do, I'm going to buy Greg a kilt, which if you don't know is the, the traditional Scottish dress, which some people think is a skirt but it's not and um and we have a knife in our sock just to cope with that exact eventuality fair enough but um yeah we're going to take kilts in the wind tunnel and we're going to fly and uh basically but the how question much money is, you pay is, is are you going to wear it traditionally oh yeah of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, of course which means no underwear and uh you know if you want we can fly head up or we can fly head down and you know yeah. okay how much so money you pay both? depends on that so uh, why no chonies why no fucking underwear uh, do you know? Um, I don't really know. I think it was tradition. I think too back in the days. Is it just? Yeah, yeah, it's too warm. Exactly. Is it just yeah. an ease of access thing? Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You Fair might enough. Have hit the nail on the head there. Because you drink so much, you know, like you don't even have to pull something down. You just ah, go for it. Makes sense. Well, as a as a California American <laughs> with very little um, history to it, I'm always jealous of uh, cultures that have a lot of rich history to it. So I was always jealous of. All the European countries as well, because there's so much tradition and everything. And so you see a guy in a kilt, and uh, all I think is James Bond, because, you know, I mean, you've got. He did the, uh, what he did this, the big premiere, and he showed up in his kilt and the Sean tux Connery. top and everything. Sean Connery's fucking amazing, yeah, yeah. you know, and he's he's the epitome of the Scott. And, and uh, same with the French as well. You've got this culture, and then I'm just from. California. <laughs> so I was always jealous of that shit. So I never thought that kilt was a bad thing. I thought it was cool as fuck. I just Beach can't wear boys. one. Yeah, <laughs> you don't I was going to say, the yeah. French look up for California because you have all the the surfing history. Yeah, but see, uh, that's the know, thing is you like California for the location. I like <laughs> France and Scotland and all that for the culture. Big difference. <laughs> well, you know, like our name comes from the sex wax. So... Actually, yeah, there's a little bit of history over there. Actually, I, I, that was actually one thing that I forgot to fucking ask about on the first podcast was where the name came from, and now the name came from Sex Wax. All right. Yeah. Yes. How did that come about? We, we brainstormed a lot because uh, it's part of when, when people come to me and ask me tips for building a team, I actually take time on this point. Like, uh, choose a name. It's not uh, something that... Uh, 
it's not nothing to find the name that's going to represent your team. It's going to show you how serious you take your mm. team and stuff. So, and for, and for us, it, we wanted something. I was linked with the uh, nautical activities with the sea. Uh, I was a, I was a yacht uh, captain. Karin was a designer in the yacht industry as well. We are both doing um, surf and scuba diving. And our um, video man in the days, uh, Tony, he was um, semi-pro on the windsurf. Wind and uh, wow. so he was doing a little bit of kite surf. So everybody was spending half time in the water. So we said, oh, we definitely need to find some things. Also refers to the refer to the sea or something. And brainstorming, 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 we came with this uh, thing that uh, we thought about the sex wax, with, which was a brilliant idea. This, the guy became millionaire with this. Mm. Back in the days, the wax was just a um, rectangle shape, just all the same uh, size for everybody. And he said, oh, make it round. And instead of wax, whatever, I'm I just going to call it sex wax. Just it grabs the attention of people. Mm. It was nothing to do with sex, but it, it yeah, works perfectly. And you put uh, yellow, red, a uh, lot of color and blue and stuff. So it, it was just brilliant. And we say, oh, even the logo, it's round. So just put air instead of, of a sex and we have the coolest yeah. name. And it was just like this, air wax. And that was before we've done our first training in Eloy where they they were calling our team in the microphone being like earwax earwax <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, shit we didn't think about this one <laughs> hey yeah, yeah. They, you know if there's any way to bite at you it's gonna come from yeah. a skydiver oh, yeah, somebody's sure. gonna find it <laughs> but i must admit actually the first time i ever saw the logo airwax um before i met these guys ever i thought that's a damn good idea Oh, look at that. Look at that. I saw a sticker yeah, on the plane it. somewhere. I'm like, man, that's a good team. Look at that. The that's nod from good. the teammate that you didn't see coming. All right. So how did you guys end up forming a team together? How does a Scott end up with a couple of Frenchmen? So that, that's also a thing that few people, only few people knows. Uh, we finished uh, the World Championship in 2018. And uh, Baptiste, our video man in Australia, was not sure he was about to continue or not. He was already super tired of doing all this training and competition and stuff. And uh, we already knew that we're going to enjoy now to be world champion, to travel a bit more mm. and to do more than just training, training, training. So we say, oh, we're going to finally say yes to do Angle Week in Sweden, to do maybe the pyramids, because we missed already the first edition of the jump of uh, the pyramids, like jump like a pharaoh. So I said, okay, now we're going to enjoy a little bit more. So we definitely need a professional photographer. Mm. This this was for me like mandatory. Uh, if you want to take you seriously, like, like I was saying, so uh, we want professional things only, not only uh, screenshots. Yeah. So I met already a Yuan a year ago. Uh, he was in the training for no, he was actually the oh, the right. official attend. No, no, even before. But I, I met him in the in the world in the French record before, and we worked as as well on the world record. So I, I could tell the guy was super sweet, super nice, extremely pro. Um, yeah, very polite. Like yeah, I, I cannot tell anything bad about this guy. Mm. He's, he's again another beautiful human being. He drinks a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I said, hey, if we have to do anything with a photographer, yeah, it, there's nothing. There's nothing Cheers. better they can find that this Scottish guy, even if he cheers. has a uh, kilt, you know? <laughs> Look at that. All right. Yeah, cheers, cheers bro. Oh. You're empty. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Uh, here you go. It's going to take to make the noise. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here you go. Yeah. I love you, Iwan Kui, but you already knew. So we're going to backtrack a little yeah. bit because uh, um, I missed a good fight that I saw coming about social media, <laughs> and I'm not letting it go. Um, so... 
I asked about the social media, and Greg, I know that you primarily are the one doing the social media. Karen clearly either has a different way of thinking about it or wants it done a different way. I want to find out what's going on because uh, um, I saw some friction there. Oh, yeah, that, get that cork out. Okay, I'm going to do the French way. We can wait, do... wait, 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 wait. Do the French way. Maybe. Important no, things. No, no, <laughs> yep, we're waiting. Yep. It's the anticipation. Okay. Here we go. Palm oil 2006. Here we come. Like say Elon Musk, ready to go in space. Uh, <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Almost as good as a whiskey cork. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So maybe you want to start, Greg, about the media. No, please, please, please. I prefer so, yeah, I, like, like I told both of you guys pre-podcast, uh, um, I uh, really do appreciate how well you guys do with social media because you're quite active, uh, much more so than, than I am as much as I can try and handle it because it drives me nuts. Um, so what's the different theories you guys have got going on in regard to – up? Oh, <laughs> pass that bottle around. There you go. How do you how do you go about social media and what doesn't she like about it? <laughs> okay, I um, I come from a very small town, very tough. So maybe I build all my uh, all my life around this this thing. Like, uh, um, I I was frustrated a lot about um, a lot of stuff, and I I was always fighting to get to get what I wanted in mm. life. And I learned this when I was very young. So when we became world champions. I discovered that um, it was this title was uh, opening many doors for us, obviously, but not all of them. Uh, which is which is nice if you don't need, if you don't, uh, if you're not demanding in life. But I was like, no, our main job now is to be ambassador of a sport. Hmm. And even still, there I was like, ah, but it's very hard because now we have this new title of being ambassador. But it's, uh, even people who are supposed to make interviews. Uh, um, whatever doesn't need to be on TV, just on newspapers. Sometimes they don't even show up, or mm. they are so. I was like, no, no, we need we need to be more recognized. And then uh, I realized that we didn't have that many followers, obviously, because it's a small sport. I discovered that it's already only half a million. It's only five hundred thousand people who are very involved in sports. Mm. It's not a big number. No. If you take karate, if you take uh, handball, I don't even mention soccer, obviously, but it's not a big sport. So we have to we have to work even more to make uh, people uh, look at our, our, our sports. And um, then it was the um, we fight to be in the Olympic Games mm. 2024. So I worked a little bit with the French Federation for that. And I discover also that it was very hard to uh, to fight for a file as a French Federation. Mm. Like we were uh, five the five sports to be new sports to be maybe appearing on the next Olympics. And uh, surprisingly, they ask, "Oh, tell us uh, who are your ten best athletes on Instagram." The the very people of yeah because it was not that stupid they wanted to know how sure. we weigh in the in the world as sure. a sportman and we discovered like thank God uh, Maya was almost ninety k back in these days yeah but it was like it was nothing yeah so it was even another extra proof that uh, yeah we need to work way more on uh, everybody as at um, as athlete at his level has to work more to promote himself and it, it doesn't require that much like I, I try to explain people if you if you have a cool event somewhere let's say you were in Namibia with us for sure you're gonna have your nine 
best pictures or your 12 best pictures. So you already have nine days or 12 days of posting. Hmm. It's already a lot because posting for nine days in a row, 12 days in a row, it's a lot. Hmm. If you put the good hashtags and the good uh, ad for everybody, you already going to help the whole industry. You don't maybe even think about it, but yes, you're going to do it. So this is why I try to do at my level, obviously, to make all my sponsors very happy. And also I take time to talk to people who don't do it like a good. I, I, I try to give them good advice and I try to push them to do it on their own. Well, as that's well. the thing, right? Is I mean, it's still all very new to everybody. I mean, granted, I'm older than you guys, but I remember a time before the Internet long before the internet and, and uh, the slow creeping of it coming up and it almost overnight went from this thing you kind of used every once in a while and maybe it would work and if you were trying to pull up dirty pictures it would take 30 minutes and you'd just give up anyway. <laughs> you know, it'd take forever. Yeah, absolutely. You're just watching the picture, click, 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 click and see how far you could make it before. Yeah, anyway. Um but all of a sudden it's bam, you are, you're potentially reaching God knows how many people. And, and, uh, um, funny enough, it doesn't go anywhere. So if you do it wrong, it sticks with you forever. And so everybody's kind of learning as they go. And it's social media has been a, a blessing and a curse. But I think uh, for skydiving, especially or more obscure sports, it's a real blessing because it gets it out there in a way that it never would otherwise. Exactly. I mean, look at it from the point of view of uh, how did people know about skydiving 15 years ago? When mm. I started, it was point break, yep. drop zone, yep. you know, stuff like that. Now it's uh, then it kind of went through the YouTube stage, I think, with uh, people you know, doing the wingsuit proximity and that sure. became like super popular. And now it's kind of taken off a lot more. It's becoming a bit more mainstream. Like sure. people are seeing things that we do, which isn't, you know, maybe the most incredibly adrenaline pumping thing, like the wingsuit proximity stuff, but it's beautiful. No, but it's, it's in places that are it's amazing. It's inspiring right yeah. and uh, i think it, we're in a situation where we have a really powerful uh, ability to bring that to the people sure and they're not aware of it but we're trying to make them kind of uh, force them to be aware of it well i mean just the fact that you guys are able to do some of the jumps you're doing in the locations that you're doing them is proof that it's that message is getting out there scott having is so much more except you're jumping over the pyramids you know, with any luck, knock wood, I might get to jump over Everest this year, for Christ's sakes. I mean, these amazing things happen all because skydiving has gotten into the the consciousness of the general public, and that's through stuff like what you're doing. Now, that being said, I know you work super hard at it, but I know that you... <laughs> <laughs> Try to work super hard at it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what's the difference between you guys? So obviously, like I, I completely agree with with um, this perspective. Like the the world is increasing and in, in, uh, evolving super fast, as you were saying. Like we're the generation that uh, saw the beginning of computers, and now we're into like all those media going crazy. Like I don't even know what's Snapchat really going like doing, you know. <laughs> but I, I hear about it, and I don't want to feel like old before I'm actually old. So I guess it's really important to keep a feet on, keep a foot, sorry, on what's going on actually, and uh, obviously. Um, I went into Facebook using it because it was uh, easy for us to talk about an event in skydiving mm. and have all the people uh, joining the group for the event and everything. And then uh, Instagram came out and um, it's actually um, 
it's actually Vanya from uh, Turbolenza that uh, kind of forced us to get a, a page on Instagram. And we're like, come on, who's going to look at it? We don't hmm. need that. And she's like, yeah, you need it. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we set a foot on that. And uh, actually, I'm really glad that she, she insisted on doing that because today it's all about Instagram. Yeah. And if you want to communicate with the next generation, um, this is their way of communicating. So if you don't use their way, how do you want to be seen or how do you want to talk about our sports? Sure. Know? So this is really important. I, I recognize everything uh, around that. But to me, it's kind of like a big effort as I really like to enjoy more the moment. And for me, it's like taking pictures. It's nice to have pictures, but also while you take pictures, not not in the sky, but like when you go to, to sure. a party or, you know, like a nice place, I'm more the one that will um, try to enjoy the energy at this moment and the, the, the everything, the smell, the colors around you. And taking a picture extracts me from this moment. You know, I, so. well, and I completely agree with you in that. I've found myself at times having to force myself to, when I did my trek to Everest Base Camp a year and a half ago, I finally had to pick days when, put your fucking phone away, because I was using it to take pictures, and I was finding, I was spending more time looking at the view on my phone than I was at the view in front of me. Um, exactly. I want the pictures for the memories, and I don't take the pictures really to post them on my love me wall or anything like that. I want those memories, but eventually I had to go, well, wait a second, you know, you don't have Alzheimer's yet. Yeah. <laughs> so take so, a couple of pictures and put it away. Yeah, for me, it's a fine line to to actually find. Uh, mm. It's like a balance to find where, of course, it's super important to do what uh, Greg is uh, excelling at uh, for the social media, but also like try to find some, like it shouldn't take you away for all those uh, very human moments. <laughs> and I think... It's it's a line that we need to still find. Yeah, so. find the balance. <laughs> yeah, I, I do everything in excess. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, uh, I think I actually, I will. Yeah, I've got some uh, oh. comments that I'd like to say. Oh, toss um, it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, because uh, it, it's kind of in a few different wait, parts. Wait, hang on, first. Touched yeah. on. Cheers, oh, by the way. <laughs> this is fucking delicious wine. Yeah. Thank you so much. Jeez. All right, here we go. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, so, um, so basically, a little bit of background. Uh, I went to... Brazil um, to visit Greg and Karine. They were mm. already there, and, and, we, and we went um, basically to do an event, the Eternal uh, Fly on Eternal Edition, and then we did the jumps in uh, Copacabana as well, which was awesome. But mm. it was meant to be a three-week trip, and eight weeks later, I'm <laughs> still on the go, which is awesome. But uh, it means I've got eight weeks of uh, photographs and videos, which uh, I haven't had time to edit. And one of the things that people don't uh, appreciate so much about being a photographer is that every day you take pictures, you probably have a day or two days of editing. Mm. So I still have a lot of editing. So basically, if you think you've seen some nice pictures from what we've done the last few weeks, you haven't seen nothing. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's good. That's a teaser. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's a great teaser. I like that. So you know, it's, you know, watch this space. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because uh, um, I used to do a lot with uh, an SLR and, and used to really try and be active with photography. And, and I took a nice camera with me when I went to go hike Everest and I ended up taking all my pictures on my iPhone because yep. <laughs> it was just so much easier. But I would intentionally, because I knew I would finish this month-long trip through the Himalayas and have a fuckload of pictures that yep. I'd have to try and do something with, even if it was just to file them away the way I wanted. So at the end of the day, I made myself go, crap, crap, yep. crap, this is good, crap, crap. And just almost like Tinder, but with pictures. Like, <laughs> no, 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 oh yeah, no, no, no. And just get through them because I would have been stuck with a pile. So I can't even imagine knowing what you guys have been doing. You were in Namibia, 
you were Maldives. Maldives, you were over the pyramids, you were yeah. Brazil, and you've got all those pictures yeah. unedited? Fucking hell. Well, some of them are edited, but we had to buy another five terabyte hard drive <laughs> at the airport because like, we run it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Jesus. I tried to keep, I mean, because of obviously we're talking about social media and it's important to you know, do some things while strike while they are in his heart, sure, you can say. So, you know, we always try and have some pictures, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like just looking through the photos. Okay, that one's pretty good. Okay, that one's good. That one's good. You know, taking one or two pictures and just editing them quick. Right. Because Greg is always like, just one picture, one picture. That's all I need. Well, you it's know, funny because every, every time I pick up my phone, it's fucking Greg's got another live <laughs> chat going on. There's another live video from Greg. Holy shit. This yep. guy just doesn't stop. No, he doesn't <laughs> stop. Exactly. And uh, one of the things that Karin said about enjoying the moment like actually as a photographer you might find this weird but my luxury is actually not taking any pictures oh yeah i can totally i can totally hear you on that i did a a safari in africa with my family and i started realizing that i hadn't actually seen any animals i just looked at them through my fucking camera lens and i went no okay i gotta stop exactly and put it down and go holy shit that's a lion you know it was it was much more fun so yeah, yeah exactly. like obviously we really need this for communication. But I have to say also the good side of putting all those pictures. It's not really it's it's not to show off like hey look look what I get to do and look at me here and look at me there. It's it's more about like sharing also you mm. know all those cool things that we get to do when people are locked down. It's not to to be like haha you know. It's more like okay try and project you in the picture and get you in this that moment that was really nice. So you can kind of like travel from where you are. And actually, it, it's working because we have so many messages lately of people thanking us because they managed to travel uh, through our pictures and sure. uh, through our videos. And it's uh, it was actually super nice to receive all those really cool messages. Well, one of the one of the um, pages that I followed on Facebook, especially during the lockdown, was what is it you see out your window? And People are posting these amazing pictures. These are people that are are sitting in the Alps and they're taking pictures out of their front yard and these, these stunning pictures or people that are in the, the this amazing desert landscapes and all this spectacular stuff or even just this beautiful garden that someone made in their backyard and it was it went from I think a few thousand followers to a couple hundred thousand followers just over the few months that we were locked down because people were so hungry for something other than their fucking living room and Netflix right so it's the same thing your guys pictures and the stuff that you guys put up there's a big difference between that guy that's the jackass with his thumbs up trying to show how cool he is and you guys that happen to be in this spectacular image doing something that the average joe and jane can't imagine doing that's not i I don't consider that showing off that's fucking art it is. I mean, Jeez. come on. The stuff that you guys are doing over the pyramids. I mean, yes, you're you're making a skydive and it's a it's a cool skydive and all that stuff. But your abilities in free fall and your ability with the camera produces something that's just spectacular. It really is. Thank you. We yeah. really appreciate. But uh, yeah, for sure. Like sometimes people just see us over the pyramids or in Maldives, for example. Uh, but uh, the teams who build the this. Uh, this operation to jump over the pyramids and mm. uh, and Maldives is the same is uh, Skydive Egypt, and they they both like uh, asked us like please come so we can tell people that you're gonna be there sure to so this event can exist and sure. it was not that easy they had so many cancellations be- mm. because many people were scared to travel which is of course we can understand but also maybe not the best thing to do because if you have an excuse to do a sport uh, escape. 
it's not anymore vacation and normally you can go through the border with that yeah so uh, it's another advice I give to people right now like uh, don't just stop to leave um, if you have the COVID or not still you're going to be in the plane with your mask and uh, washing your hands every 10 seconds mm. if, even if you have it so just take your precaution and continue to live a, a normal life as much as you can, of course. It's funny the fears that we pick to to focus on, right? Because, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of skydivers that decide that they're too nervous to travel to go jump out of fucking airplanes. Yes. yes <laughs> right? So it's kind of – it's a little bit confusing, and I completely understand it. You know, I mean, the, the fears in regard to skydiving are known fears, and, and as trained skydivers, we, for the most part, know how to handle pretty much anything that's coming our way, and COVID's this little bug that may or may not fuck us up really bad or kill us. So I, I guess I understand those fears, but there's a way to mitigate those fears just as much as you do with skydiving, and, and then you go live your life. Right, yeah. and for sure, and for for me, like uh, it might sound light or easy, but that's really the back of my mind. Like, so we do all these uh, lockdown and shutdown everywhere, and prevents people from getting out. And uh, for in the name of the living, like trying to save life. But what is living? You know, living is not just being stuck on your couch and uh, watching Netflix all day. So, mm. uh, if you want to live, just uh, living takes risk. Sure. You know, like. Well, and there's there's being frivolous and stupid. I mean, obviously, when the pandemic first hit, the smartest thing that everyone could have done was exactly what they did. You lock down, you sit down, you get a handle on it, right? Uh, and when it gets bad, you lock down again if need be. Um, and you take the precautions that you need to and you do the vaccines. And fuck you if you don't think vaccines work. Let me just put that out there. No, I mean, I, it's it, it's... <laughs> It's it's good to see that you guys were out doing it. And again, I haven't been able to travel more just because um, the the time that I was locked down restricted me work wise. And so now I gotta you know get the job done while I have the opportunity. So I'm jealous and kind of hate you guys for being able to travel and do all this cool shit. Um, but uh, as soon as I get the opportunity to safely travel, you know, and wear the masks and take the precautions and do all of that, then absolutely do it. Come on, yeah, come on. I mean, for us actually, our lives. Our, our work lives are travel. You know, mm. like we have to travel for work. So being stuck in, I live in Imperia Brava in Spain and uh, being stuck there in the summer um, and lockdown, not working, was pretty difficult for me. So like Greg said, we went to Egypt the first time. It was like a trial to see if we could do an event. And uh, I remember being in the airport and it was, I don't know, it'd been almost a year since I'd flown, which for me is very, very mm. unusual. And uh, if, and the airport was deserted, you know, all the COVID restrictions. And, you know, it was kind of very scary. Sure. You know, but then after that, it was like, okay, it works. You know, we got the COVID test. Everything was good. You know, we traveled. It, it was fine. And we came back, got another test. Because actually after that, I went to Dubai. Um, and so I'd gone to Egypt, not got COVID, had another test. It was fine. I was like, okay, that's good. And then uh, basically... We've been traveling now for two months in, I don't know how many different countries and, you know, everything's been fine. We've been mingling with other people, you know, taking precautions where necessary and, but also being skydivers and, what a fucking know, life. hugging people and all that. And it's, what a life. It's been fine. This is life. Everybody in this room at one point decided to jump out of an airplane. Just once, just to whatever, for whatever reason, which has led to sitting in this little maid's room that I've turned into a studio, drinking amazing red wine and talking about traveling around the world, meeting cool people and jumping out of planes. Are you kidding me? It's, 
whatever version of the Matrix this is, it's a fucking good one. It's the best one. Yeah. Fuck yeah. This is the program. <laughs> I want this version of the Matrix next time. It's it's perfect. It really is. We have pretty cool jobs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, actually, you're the one person I haven't gotten to ask. How'd you get started in skydiving? Um, well, actually, the I was at university in Edinburgh in Scotland. And uh, what were you going to be when you grew up? Um, I still haven't grown up, but uh, if <laughs> I man. did grow up, Good it would man. have been a geologist, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah I Fucking studied geology and geography. I love it. Yeah. Wow, breaking news. See? <laughs> See? That's my favorite thing about this yeah. fucking podcast is you never know what you're going to find out. As soon as you start talking to somebody and find out what they were going to be in a previous life yeah. or what they already learned how to do, yeah. ge- what was about? what about geology? Why? I just like being outdoors. You cool. know, I like the the kind of natural world I always have. You know, and um, basically, as a course, it, it taught me more about how the world came to be. How the you know you go and see a mountain and a valley, and you know what processes mm. formed that um, physical environment. You know, I always find it interesting, and um, I still think it's one of the best courses you can do. If you ever not sure what you're going to do at university. Um, university, as we all know, is about going and partying and yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you want to do a course that's cool and you go in interesting places, then geology and geography <laughs> is cool. a really good course. But uh, yeah, so I did that, and then I did um, a master's in climate change and that sort of thing. Um, but wait, that's first... not real. Not <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like about? vaccines, man. Please, the the, <laughs> the 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 weather on this flat planet is controlled by uh, Bill Gates and and the big government. By the yeah. way, I, can I just say I love your Donald Trump toilet paper. You like I'm, that? I'm going to wipe my ass with that. Please, please, <laughs> by all means, by all means, take a square. <laughs> anyway. As we were saying. So, yeah, in the first week of uh, university, they have what's called Freshers Week. So you basically go and you decide which sports clubs you're going to join or if you're not into sports, like computer club or whatever. And um, I was walking through the park in Edinburgh called the Meadows, and there was a a small plane flying over, and I heard it because it was quite low. It was like 5,000 feet. Mm. And I looked up, and I saw these small people falling out <laughs> and at first i was like what the fuck and then they opened the parachutes and of course uh, instantly because i'd seen point break at that point right i was like wow these guys are skydivers that's incredible yeah and uh, they landed uh, basically a few hundred meters away from me and uh, i immediately walked over and there was a stand for the edinburgh university skydiving club there and then i thought right take my money yeah. That's it. I want to do that. You know, I couldn't even believe that it was a thing that you could do in Scotland. You know, oh, I right. thought it was a thing maybe you could only do in America. I don't know. And uh, basically, um, that weekend, I went and did my first skydive. But this was in uh, October, 22nd of October. A little chilly. And it was cold. And the weather in Scotland is fucking garbage. Yeah. In the winter, it's even more garbage. Uh, so I was lucky to do my first jump on my first weekend. And then uh, after that, I didn't jump for another four or five months. Oh, wow. But we had a bar at the drop zone, and uh, basically we had amazing parties with full of university student courses sure. every weekend. Sure. And uh, so, you know, I had a job working in the bar after a few weeks, and then I was packing <laughs> other student parachutes. With one jump. Uh, but, yeah, but there was uh, other people jumping because there were so many people who wanted to do static line courses. It was all right. static line at that point. And then... Um, so anyone who had zero jumps got priority. So if there was ever any good weather, it was like a couple of loads of, uh, you know, zero jump people. Like uh, the, the, we'd never jumped before. And then the weather would get shit when I got geared up for my jump. Of course. I actually was in the plane twice before uh, I got to jump second time. Um, and then I, in March, I did my second jump. And then the weather got better, relatively speaking, in Scotland. And I did, like, I finished my course in, in five weeks, basically, five weekends, which was not bad. 
and there I was completely hooked. Yeah. Completely hooked. Wow. Yeah. But uh, I kept skydiving only at weekends for a long time and I had a normal job. Actually, I did six years of project management in renewable energy. Jesus. Yeah. And uh, all that time, I started to work in skydiving, doing uh, tandem videos and eventually doing AFF. Anyway, so I was working seven days a week, basically. Right. You know, uh, five days a week on my normal job and then two days a week at the weekend. Um, and some people will say, oh, it's not work. You know, you skydiving. But as you know, it's skydiving. Yeah. It's work. Oh, it's hard work. Yeah, so um, at some point, it basically hit breaking point, and I said, man, I've got to make a change. I've got to choose one of these, and I chose skydiving. So you chose a slightly different way to save the planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I figure I put up so many wind turbines that my carbon, uh, I'm carbon neutral for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough, because my carbon footprint's fucking horrible. I've been a Twin Otter pilot for, I'm actually just about to roll through about 10,000 hours in a Twin Otter, so wait, wait, wait. I... I my carbon footprint's not great. Well, in between the time we last spoke, I will brag a little bit. I hit my 25th anniversary in skydiving. I did 25 years in skydiving, so a really, I'm a lot older than I'd like to admit to. Yes, it does. Yeah. It's uh, that's very cool though, especially the the whole geology and the the wide range of where skydivers get drawn from. I mean, it's cops and drug addicts and and professors <laughs> and bankers, and you never know what's going to draw people in. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, what we do is kind of fucking cool. Yeah, and uh, again, it's uh, it's a small world. Like uh, when uh, for this winter, when we stop once in uh, Dubai, we've been of course in in flight, and actually there is a Scottish connection because <laughs> there is over there a good friend of you one, no? Yep. Freddie, also known real name Ian Scott McDonald, but Freddie because he looks like Freddie Mercury. He has a massive nose, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, also a massive. Uh, Beer belly. We don't want to know. No, no, no. But uh, he's he was one of my instructors at the drops on St Andrews that I started at. How cool is that? Yeah, and, it's uh, such a fucking small, small world. world. It yeah. really is. I've uh, I ended up uh, being able to when I was a camera flyer shooting video for the guy that took me on my first tandem. Uh, you know, so that kind of stuff comes back around, which is super cool. And then I've had uh, people that I taught how to skydive. I was lucky enough to be an instructor for a group called the Stone Monkeys uh, that were Yosemite climbers uh, that came out to the drop zone. And they were the worst nightmare. They're like, we want to uh, learn how to skydive so we can base jump, <laughs> which is the last thing in the world an AFF instructor wants to hear. Um, but they went on to be extremely accomplished base jumpers and like all hardcore stuff. And you're like, I, I remember that guy. And so it's super cool how it all comes back around. And uh, um, just the other day I was able to talk to, I had Troy Hartman and before that I had Joe Jennings on and was able to talk to guys that when I started skydiving were heroes, you know, the, and next thing you know, you're just sitting and shooting the shit or Omar Al-Hijalan, who I've had in the yeah. studio a number of times. And you're like, you're fucking Omar. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the Omar. And it's super cool. Cause he's just this dude that enjoys jumping out of airplanes yeah, and he's, he's good at it. Super humble guy. Huh? Right. Yeah. But that seems to be the best in, in the sport seems to end up humble. Cause one of the things with skydiving is it doesn't take long for the next generation to catch up and get better. Especially now, because of people like you teaching all the kids in the tunnel. Jesus, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm still holding onto the net on my head for dear life, and there's four-year-olds that are flying circles around me. Come on. <laughs> Actually, the daughter of Omar is doing a pretty good job. I know. <laughs> She's on her way. <laughs> Dunya is a rock star. She even took over the, because I had the entire family in for a podcast, and she kind of took over the podcast as well. Nice. So. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah, Dunya, watch go. This, watch this space, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, I the the future for this for air sports in general, but for skydiving and, and wind tunnel flying is just through the roof. Yeah. I do want to ask before we close things out, how is it being a competition team, traveling the world, doing all the stuff that you do, and you're a couple and you're holding hands? How I, I kind of expected that midway through the podcast you'd be throwing punches, but you guys are still obviously really a close couple. That's that's difficult to pull off, but there's a few teams out there that do it. What's the, is there a secret to it, or how do you do it? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> of course it's my turn to talk. Obviously, no, no, it it, it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, no, no. The thing is, actually, I, I always said it's kind of easier, harder when you start, but easier for a long time to, to be a couple, actually. Mm. I straight I uh, away think about, like, for, for example, uh, Sarah and Steve Curtis, you know? Yeah. And um, Steve and Magali Braff, like, there is many couples who who succeed staying, having a long, long experience because they were a couple, because mm. there was so many... Um, difficulties it's, uh, it's, so, it's too hard sometimes to, to hold on especially if you want to do uh, a new wind tunnel like the BRAF or if you want to um, uh, to train uh, uh, both militaries and do uh, organized world record like the Curtis something like this it's very hard to it's, it's very demanding so if you're if you're um, uh, if your couple is doing the, this thing together if your partner is with you it's kind of make it easier in a way for mm. a long time because if you're alone, it's way, way harder. There sure. is much more many times that's going to be like, oh, maybe I should uh, maybe stop doing it because it's too much. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I suppose uh, that also helps gel the relationship because you both understand exactly where the other person's at and what's going on because it's a similar experience. I was always the other way in that if I had a relationship in the sport, I wanted them to have nothing to do with skydiving because skydiving, I think it's got to be one or the other, right? It's either you've got to be 100% in skydiving with your partner or have nothing to do with it. Exactly. Because yeah. either you've got a same. shitload to talk about in the sport or you've got stories to tell, right? Yeah. And um, if you travel a lot, it's pretty difficult, I think. Oh, there's no way. To find somebody who understands... Um, you know, the fact that you're not going to be there all the time. Yeah. I'm actually very lucky. Yeah. My girlfriend is, uh, she works in the manifest at Imperial Brava and uh, she's there full time. Although we did manage to bring her actually to the UAE and um, uh, to Maldives with us nice. while we weren't, while she wasn't working, but the drop zones are just open now. So potentially, you know, she's not going to be able to travel for a while and I'm going to be away quite a lot. But sure. she's quite understanding about that. So, uh, you know, it's there's not that many people that are kind of like that so it's hard to you know find one but when you do i guess sure. you hold on to your life <laughs> well and then of course it, i was lucky enough to find somebody outside the sport that understands that she doesn't understand the sport and she's fine with that um and i'm i like that separation for me um because i like to be able to walk away from the sport i need my my little eight hour vacation from being in the plane and, yeah. and skydivers because we can be a handful <laughs> i think it's all uh it, it's different from uh, people to people but uh i guess for me and probably for greg um being in a relationship for me is uh, sharing a lot of stuff with my partner mm. so i couldn't imagine like uh, being into skydiving and have a non-skydiver and uh, not sharing all those adventures together so because this is the way i work sure um and 
for sure, like when you do a team and you start team training and you you see the intensity uh, of the training, like living all the time together, it's like super boundary thing. So mm. if you do it with someone that is not your partner, for sure it's going to cause trouble. Sure. sure. Do you guys have boundaries? Like, uh, hey, this is this is I need this is my time. I need uh, this or that. I mean, I set real solid boundaries just for my own sanity. Um, or do you guys just do everything together? No, everything. I, I mean, it was um, again. We we worked uh, to win the the world title. That was the the main objective. And uh, it comes to a point that uh, nothing else matter. Mm. Um, it's very hard to understand. Uh, our family had a hard time at the beginning. Like maybe it, it took us take ten years. So maybe the six, seven first years, which is the main part, obviously, sure. they didn't understand why we were missing some uh, weddings or or very important sure. f- uh, meetings in the family, and uh, and it switched. They, they j- finally uh, felt that okay, they work for being world champion, and uh, like the last year was definitely for us nothing doing uh, doing uh, nothing else than everything for winning mm. like everything was focused on that so uh, if it's not your partner with, with you it's i don't know how you can do that well especially trying to get that across to uh, to family can be really difficult because if they're not jumpers and they don't understand and I would get it all the time and you're working really hard in a sport that someone doesn't understand how you can even, you make money doing that. Mm-hmm. How do you, wait, what, you're a, you're, you're a skydiver. You just yeah. say, that's it. That's what you do. And they don't understand that. Yeah. There's kind of a whole world around it and you can actually, you can actually do pretty well, but uh, it's, it's difficult for people to understand what the drive is. And I'm sure you guys got that as well. Okay. You're going to be world champion. What? Yeah, what's what? What is that? What is that? So people know what that is, and so it's kind of tough to describe that drive. So I can understand that. Yeah, first few years of trying to to push for such a lofty goal in an obscure sport, because let's face it, it, it's a small sport. The family must have been like, what? <laughs> no, but they got it. But the good the good thing, I mean, the interesting thing is, uh, people still don't totally get it like uh we had so many friends who said oh now you get it just stop like uh <laughs> just go back on your sofa and do nothing it's 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 weird it's like no no we have this energy to to uh, to leave our sport because sure. we are passionate about skydiving and uh, of course we still want to jump in the most exotic places and and promote the sport sure it's the energy is still here obviously so 20 years down the road it's a long way but 20 years down the road, where do you find yourselves? I mean, how long have all of you been in skydiving now? Uh, me, 18 years. 2000, no, maybe 19 coming up. So quite some time. Yeah. 17 years for me. And um, it's going to be 23 or 24. Okay, so you're all, yeah, you're all. Yeah. I mean, you got a long time in the sport now, but obviously this is it. You know, you've made your choice. So we're 20 years from now. Are you running a drop zone on some exotic beach? Are you still jumping, chasing medals? Are you, you know, I mean, this is a sport that, quite frankly, you can compete until you can't jump anymore. And uh, there's people jumping in their late 60s and 70s that are still fucking rock stars, you know. So where do you see yourselves? Uh, definitely, I love this team mm. that I have today. And uh, definitely want to still jump on uh, on amazing places. Um, it was 
great privilege to jump over Copacabana, but obviously it wasn't the first time. Uh, we are working now on jumping on the first time, really, really first time on some very uh, special exclusive, places. yeah, special places. So I'm gonna keep this team for sure for mm. doing this. Uh, another thing that I really love to do, and I'm so happy that finally Rook Nelson uh, announced <laughs> the, the dates, is the world record. Mm. So we now know that uh, 2022 we go again for the 200 way, and we're gonna break this record. That's for mm. sure. Uh, this this thing I love to. Uh, wind tunnel as well. Like uh, uh, recently, I flew again in a huge Abu Dhabi with my uh, friend from uh, Windor. Uh, Danny, Cesar, and Alex, and uh, yeah, I, I cannot live without mm. doing this cool stuff. So it's very hard to answer right now how I can see myself in 10 years. For now, I, I just love being world champions and finally uh, having more sure. doors open, you know, because it's allowed me to do even more cool stuff. Sure. It's not only to be selfish, it's just to, because every every time I get to do cool stuff, I just want to share with my friends. Yeah. Oh, I get to do that. And they're so happy to say, wow, how was that? And I can tell the story. So Absolutely. I love this, I love this uh, place for sure. How about you? Yeah. Do you know, it's um, something I've not been very good at my whole life is uh, planning for the future. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's a bit of a Scott ever trait. Let's face it. It took a big, uh, a big decision to, to leave my uh, work, you know, my uh, six, like reasonably successful and, uh, you know, steady job sure. to become a full-time Scott ever. And my family, like at first, they didn't really understand, but they've always been really supportive. And actually mm. now they're really proud of me that, We've been doing some amazing things, sure. And, you know, filming world records and stuff like that, and you know they're super proud. But um, as Greg said, I don't know. It's hard to see the the future. I just hope that you know skydiving continues to expand and do amazing things. Like um, I think it will. Sure. I think it's it's gonna. You know, the people want to. One thing that um, the traveling we've been doing the last two months has shown me is that people still want to do stuff. Yeah. You know, as soon as um, the Maldives event opened like some of the guys from the uk couldn't travel because it was really difficult it was actually illegal i think to travel from mm. the uk um without a really really good reason but there was other guys coming from other countries that you know helped to make up the numbers and people just want to travel and fly yeah. and, and yeah. skydivers so, you know we're desperate to, to jump so i think you know we're going to keep doing stuff um it's, it's going to be beautiful i think one of the things that the uh, pandemic has done has put an exclamation mark on people's desires to do different things and people that might have never decided to go jump out of an airplane or trek through the mountains or do something quote unquote extreme are now thinking fuck i could be dead tomorrow I might as well go out. And this is a realization that a lot of people don't ever have. You know, I mean, you get stuck into the nine to five slog and you never really come to grips with the things that skydivers consider basic knowledge. Yeah. I could be dead tomorrow, you know, yeah. and that's something that skydivers have to come to grips with pretty quickly if they're going to be skydivers. Yeah. <laughs> this shit might not work out. So let's make the most of it. And I think this pandemic has kind of put that exclamation mark and people. It's I think it sparked a lot of uh passion in people that might not have been yeah. there before. No, I think you're right, actually, because if you think about it, before when you weren't 
in lockdown, you always had the ability to scout it. Mm. But, you know, I'll do it next week, I'll do it, whatever. As soon as you have that ability taken away, you're in lockdown and literally you cannot go outside. Oh, yeah. These things become super precious. Oh, yeah. I think. And uh, and actually, I think we're going to see uh, actually a lot more yeah, scout ever and people doing, like you say, doing extreme sports and things that they've been denied, like yeah. absolutely denied for the past uh, the stuff that, the, six the, months. The, the passionate stuff that people just pass on because they can do it next year yeah. or the year after or they're saving for that big thing. And I'm I'm not advocating blowing all your money and going and doing stupid shit. I'm just uh, advocating blowing some of your money and doing a little stupid shit. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean it's it's cool though that that uh, um, the answer to the question of where you're going to be in 20 years is I don't know, but hopefully it still involves this. That shows how much, especially after all these years, that you guys dig it. You know, and that your families have accepted the fact that this is you and this is what you do and the things that you're into. And uh, same with mine. I mean, eventually they were like, oh, thank God he's just jumping out of airplanes now. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it's it's nice that uh, um, you've kind of reached a point where the sky's the limit. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, now, uh, before we wrap things up, are there any events people need to know about? Give all the information on how they track your substantial footprint on social media <laughs> and keep up with all the live chats. Let them know. Well, for now, we were just waiting a little bit uh, to see what Europe was uh, bringing on with all the pandemic situation. But obviously, like I think it's been really hard for someone to get going and start uh, planning on a big event uh, in Europe right now. So we, I think the future is going to be what we make it. Mm. So maybe we're going to start and do a little bit events here and there because the, the, obviously we need to keep people trained for different world record coming up. We mm. have the French head down world record still on, uh, this year. We also have the, the woman world record, uh, project 19, which yes. is an amazing project. Yes. Uh, we need to keep those ladies training and, uh, up to date, you know, so, uh, right now, the pandemic might have like delayed stuff, but it's also an opportunity for some other woman that uh, maybe thought they didn't have the, the level to, to join us. Mm. Uh, well, obviously, now you have your time. So if you train in a tunnel and if you come see your regional captain and uh, train with us uh, however you can in the, the weekends or whatever you get, just, just, just go for it. And you never know, maybe you'll have the level on time and you'll be able to enjoy this incredible adventure. So, awesome. Awesome. Uh, this yeah. is definitely something we, we should enjoy. And um, I will be going in Brazil this uh, August for one of the most spectacular places as well to jump in this planet, which is Lençóis do Marinesi. And um, if you want some info, just uh, private message me and we'll be happy to get you there. Awesome. And how do they find you? Uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram, right, Greg? You did a pretty good job on doing that. <laughs> okay, okay. My job to tell uh, the thing. Okay. No, yes, please, uh, of course, follow U1 Photography Instagram. Very easy to find. It has the same uh, name on Facebook. Uh, we can obviously find us on Airwax Freefly, both Instagram and uh, Facebook. And we also have uh, athletes uh, pages. It's uh, Airwax and uh, GregCrozier.airwax on Instagram. And uh, yeah, follow the podcast. Listen to all of the podcasts because it's it's very good to learn about good, stu good stuff about all around the world with every athlete all around the world it's very nice awesome so, yeah. awesome guys Cheers. in the studio amazing wine great stories <laughs> 
Thank you so much for taking the time and being around. Thank you. Cheers, guys. We'll Cheers. do it again. Yep. Yeah. Next time in kilt, everyone. <laughs> I'm down. In winter. I'm down. <laughs>